Hello, I'm Kate Freeman, and this is The Daily Dollop. On this episode of The Daily Dollop, I'm chatting about iron deficiency. I'm going to talk about my 12-year struggle with maintaining good iron status and also discuss the key nutritional strategies for improving your iron levels. Welcome back to The Daily Dollop podcast, everyone. I hope you're having an awesome day so far. My name's Kate Freeman and I'm a registered nutritionist and the founder of The Healthy Eating Hub and The Healthy Eating Clinic. Now, fun fact about me is that I'm currently recording this podcast at 9pm on my bed with my trackies, with my new puppy next to me. I mentioned a few episodes previously that I had my name down at a blue healer breeder. Well, things have escalated since that episode, as you may have seen on social media. And so only last Friday, so a couple of days ago, I'm recording this episode on Tuesday, the 2nd of March, for those of you who are wondering My cousin who lives on a farm posted about having some Border Collie Cross Kelpie puppies. Oh, which I absolutely adore that breed. And we were only getting a Blue Healer because that's the only breed my husband wanted. And I was like, well, I just want a dog. So, yeah, we'll go with that breed. Anyway, I text my husband who is away and I said, I can save you over $2,000, but we have to get the dog this Sunday. Anyway, I used my charm, my beauty and my charisma, and I talked him into it. And so I currently am the owner now of a beautiful eight and a half week old Border Collie Cross Kelpie pup called Harvey. So check out my socials. He also has his own social account, Living Life with Harvey on Instagram. So go check him out. He's actually doing super well. He's got over a hundred followers in under two days. Instagram sensation. So we're talking... Iron deficiency in this episode today. And so this is something that's actually pretty close to home for me because I've struggled with poor iron status for a really, really long time now. In fact, about 12 years. And it actually all started after the birth of my first daughter, Asha, who's 12 now. And I actually hemorrhaged in my labor with her and I lost a lot of blood. I don't know exactly how much um, I was told it was a lot. And They couldn't measure it because I was on all fours giving birth. Sorry, this is an overshare episode. Hope that's okay. And as I stood up or like turned, like had the baby and sort of turned over, I like kicked the little, not a bucket. It's like a little hospital. I don't even know what they are. A little container that was catching the blood. I kicked it over. And I spilt all my blood everywhere all over the hospital floor. I'm really sorry for anyone who's queasy who's listening to this episode. Apparently I made quite a mess, looked like a crime scene. And so they didn't really know exactly how much I'd lost because I I kicked my bucket over. But I lost a lot of blood and I was borderline for having a transfusion and they so they didn't do it. But I felt rubbish for a really long time, at least six to eight weeks I just had this persistent sore throat. It was like being run down. So I never actually got sick with a cold, but I just felt awful. Um, And so, of course, you know, some iron supplements and not getting my period after having 
a baby, which is a great thing, meant my iron status picked up. But since having children, I also had my kids really close together, so they're 18 months apart. My iron status has just been on the low side and I have found that with a regular menstrual cycle, that if I go like three periods in a row without taking supplements, that my iron status just gets low again. So supplementation is just something that needs to be part of my life because even with a really well-planned diet, I just can't keep up with the monthly iron losses that come with being a woman. And so if you are struggling with iron deficiency as well, I just want to talk through some of the key nutritional strategies because certainly they absolutely do help, but to also just encourage you to go and see your doctor, get your iron status, do full iron studies and actually get an idea of where your iron status is at because a supplement is well worth it if you are low or deficient. If your iron status is good and that's not the reason for any fatigue that you might be feeling, there's no point taking a supplement. So definitely don't take a supplement if you're not aware of what your iron status is doing. It's only necessary to take one if you're actually deficient. And so I just want to make sure that you are across just some of the key nutritional strategies that once you treat your underlying uh, deficiency, then hopefully your diet can keep it up. But certainly, you know, if you are menstruating regularly and it's, you know, heavy um, in particular, that something more long-term with your iron supplementation is best. So definitely talk to your GP and then go and seek advice from a qualified person. So no self-diagnosing these things, please. So iron deficiency is actually the most common nutrient deficiency in the world. And it's estimated that the world's population is anemic primarily due to iron deficiency. So you can actually be anemic due to a number of different reasons. And so iron deficiency is the number one reason why most of the anemic people are anemic. Iron deficiency is not only caused by an inadequate intake of iron from your diet, but excessive blood loss. So regular menstruation, um, times of increased need, so pregnancy. Um, excessive vigorous exercise. So athletes are also at risk of iron deficiency and then a disease or disorder. So poor gut health, which actually inhibits the absorption of iron. So things like celiac disease, for example, if it goes undiagnosed and there's high inflammation in the gut, that your gut has an impaired ability to absorb these micronutrients. And so iron deficiency is really common. So if you are unsure, my team can actually refer you for a blood test. Because we're not GPs, you do need to pay for it, but certainly go and see your GP and get a blood test so you can actually see your full iron studies. And then based on those results, you can then start to develop some practical strategies to improve your levels. So certainly figuring out what the underlying cause of your deficiency is really important. The main thing is that you're not self-diagnosing. So like I said, right at the beginning, taking supplements, if you're feeling excessively tired or fatigued, will do no good if the problem isn't your iron stores. So it's always best to see a qualified nutritionist or dietitian before taking a supplement, certainly see your GP. But I wouldn't you know, go and just pay for a multivitamin to bridge the nutritional gap. You may as well get a good idea about whether your diet is covering your needs or not and a good 
qualified nutrition professional can help you with that. But certainly if you're a woman you're, and you're um, menstruating regularly, that your body requires much more iron than a man does. In fact, it's nearly three times as much. And so your monthly blood loss through your period means that iron needs are really, really high. But because generally speaking, our bodies are smaller than a man's, our energy needs are much less. So that means that we're needing to have more iron on less food than a man. How unfair is that? But that's just the way it goes. And so just being a bit strategic in our meal planning can actually help um, maximize your body's ability to um, both receive and then absorb the iron. So one of the things I want to talk about is this concept called bioavailability. So this is how easily the micronutrient is absorbed from your gut. And iron is actually not very bioavailable at all. And so in fact, even at its best bioavailability, we actually only ever absorb up to 20% of the iron that we consume or we eat. So that's really interesting. And that's um, from what we call heme iron sources, which I'll talk about in a second. So there is a recommended dietary intake for iron um, for women of childbearing age, basically, who are regularly menstruating and it's 18 milligrams per day. If you're pregnant, this RDI increases to 27 milligrams per day. And the RDI also takes into account the fact that we only are absorbing a small amount of what we're eating. So we don't actually need to take in more of this. It's only if we're taking a supplement that we'd take in much larger amounts. But in that instance, supplemental iron, if you overtake it, can put you at risk of toxicity. So definitely don't take a supplement unless you need it. So in terms of dietary iron, we can get that from our diet in a couple of different forms. So there's two main sort of categories of iron. We've got heme iron and non-heme iron. Heme iron comes from animal food sources such as beef, pork, lamb, seafood, kangaroo, you know, other game and poultry. And the iron in these foods is present as what we call hemoglobin or myoglobin. So that's why we call it heme iron. So Essentially, we're looking when we're eating an animal and we're eating the high blood flow areas of that animal. Sorry for the vegetarians out there. We're consuming the iron that's in the hemoglobin or the myoglobin, so in the muscle structure, and that's where we're getting the iron from. Non-heme iron is the form of iron that comes from other food sources, so plant-based food sources. Foods such as spinach, dark green leafy vegetables, kidney beans, other legumes and sesame seeds are all non-heme sources of iron. Other non-heme sources of foods, um, of iron in foods, are ones that have been enriched or fortified. So they actually add iron to a range of different products. So you'll see breakfast cereals will often say a source of iron. Things like Milo and Ovaltine have iron added to them. And so the iron from a non-heme source compared to a heme source is less bioavailable. So you're more likely to be able to absorb more iron from red meat than you are the same amount of iron in spinach. Also, you'd have to eat quite a lot of spinach to get a similar amount of iron intake compared to a serve of red meat. So it just means that we want to just take these into account when we're thinking about planning our diet. So there are sort of three key nutritional strategies to ensure that you're one, eating enough and absorbing enough iron. The first thing is maximize your intake of heme iron sources. So this is from red meat. So if you're happy to eat meat, I would recommend that you aim to include 
at least two to three serves of red meat a week. I actually discussed red meat in a previous episode and it was coming from the perspective of is red meat so bad to eat? So eating red meat two to three times a week, if it's unprocessed, nice, lean, low fat, um, fat removed sources are fine, including things like chicken and turkey, a little bit less iron in those, but still a good source as well as some seafood. So if you are happy to eat meat, poultry or seafood, then you're certainly going to be able to get plenty of iron by including different um, sources of meat throughout your week. If you're a vegetarian or a vegan, it might be worth sort of, I guess, getting some extra help to ensure that your particular diet is making sure that it's meeting your iron needs. And so if it's quite a narrow diet and you're not eating enough whole grains, legumes, nuts, seeds, you know, and you're kind of quite narrow in your food choices, then you're certainly at risk of iron deficiency or having insufficient iron in your diet. The second thing is, is once you've maximized your intake of heme iron sources, if you're happy to eat animal products, the second thing is to include vitamin C rich food for both your heme iron sources and your non-heme iron sources. So vitamin C actually enhances the absorption of iron from your meal when we eat that at, when we eat it at the same time. So foods that are high in vitamin C include most fruits and vegetables, especially things like broccoli, Brussels sprouts, red capsicum, oranges, strawberries, kiwi fruit, tomatoes, lemons, limes. But all fruits and vegetables are good sources of vitamin C. Even potato. Actually, fun fact about potato is that potato is so widely eaten in the US that it is the major dietary source of vitamin C in the American diet. So how's that? It's not particularly high in vitamin C if you compare it to foods like broccoli or strawberries, but because Americans eat so much potato, it's the major contributor to vitamin C in their diet. Crazy. Fun fact. Anyway, back to vitamin C rich foods. But if we talk about an example meal that follows this principle, you could do some barbecue lamb chops and then you can make a really lovely lentil puree, top that with some tomato salsa and then serve it with some baby spinach and steamed broccoli drizzled with olive oil and lemon juice. So we've got some lovely heme iron from the lamb, some non-heme iron from the lentils and baby spinach and then we've got vitamin C with the tomato and broccoli and lemon juice. Lastly, so the third principle is then being mindful of foods that decrease iron absorption. So it is important to know that all the nutrients in there, they affect each other's absorption in the gut and some nutrients compete for absorption. So foods that contain what are called phytates and phenols, they decrease the absorption of non-heme iron. These foods are generally high in fiber like whole grains and cereals. So the funny thing is, is it's important to actually include fiber-rich foods in your diet. So you don't need to cut them out. It's maybe just making some choices around when you eat them. So you could maximize your whole grain intake, say at breakfast in having some nice high fiber breakfast cereal or some grainy toast with some fruit or some yogurt or some eggs. And then at dinner time, when you are having your more iron rich foods like steak or lamb or spinach is then not having the grain then and maybe opting for a legume or um, some potato or corn for some carbohydrate into your meal. 
So you certainly don't need to cut these out, but just, yeah, just a little bit of planning so that when you do eat your red meat two to three times a week, that you're having it with lots of vitamin C rich foods and not having it with phytate or phenol rich foods. Another thing that you will also inhibit the absorption of iron is uh, tea and coffee. And so drinking them in between meals or or swapping them for other drinks, so just plain water or even um, you know orange juice, which is going to be rich in vitamin C. Obviously, being mindful of juice, fresh fruit is a better option. But from an iron absorption perspective, juice is better than tea or coffee. So there is a number of research done around iron status, iron absorption, the bioavailability of iron, and which dietary patterns promote iron for the body. And one I just want to point out is that it was a study that compared a meat-based diet with a vegetable-based diet. And they found that women with low iron to begin with, so they had, so they start with low iron, had stable iron status on the meat-based diet and poor iron status when consuming the vegetable-based diet, even though their iron intake was the same. And so this research shows how important it is for the right kind of iron to be eaten to maximize its absorption by the body. But this is in women who already had low iron status. And we also know from research that when you have low iron in the body, that a number of things change that actually mean that you absorb more iron from the gut to try and pick up your stores. So again, end of the day, any kind of nutrition advice needs to have a context So make sure you get some individualized advice to help you maximize some iron intake. But these are just some quick tips that you can, you know, make some adjustments to your meal. Otherwise, see your GP if you're ever concerned about anything. Don't self-diagnose and we'll see you in the next episode. After years of being bombarded with diet culture, I so understand that the world of healthy eating is super, super hard. My Healthy Eating Program helps people who are struggling with their eating habits to lose weight, feel good about themselves and eat well for the rest of their life. I do this by teaching one nutrition principle at a time and showing you how to establish this knowledge as a habit in your everyday life. This is unlike any other program on the market today that simply gives you a meal plan, a list of good and bad foods or expects you to change everything all at once. Life's too short to live with food stress. To become a habit builder and not a crash dieter, join my program today at healthyeatinghub.com.au. Thank you so much for checking out The Daily Dollop. Don't forget to rate, review and subscribe so that we can spread the podcast far and wide and so you don't miss an episode.